back. Let's begin. Verse 16. So we have been listening to the book of Isaiah. And all these things we have spoken of before as well. Because as you can see, these prophets are able to prophesy beyond their time. And you might say, it's, it gets a little confusing, so why are they doing this? And there are many reasons for, for this. But the reason why they have to go beyond their time is because when it comes to the judgment of God, they have to, they have to prophesy about uh, judgment and blessings, judgment and restorations, and, and follow that pattern. That is the overall pattern and format that most of the prophets follow. It's judgment, uh, restoration, judgment, restoration. Especially Isaiah follows that format very well. But Amos is a little different. He speaks about judgment through the through like ninety percent of the book, and that, and at the very end he talks about restoration. But Isaiah follows that pattern quite well of judgment and restoration. So please be seated because if people keep going back and forth um, through the doors, it gets really distracting. So please shut the doors in the back. <clears throat> the echo has gotten better too. And everything that goes wrong during the conference is the, is the influence of the Antichrist. So all we have to do is fight against uh, them and command the angels to do this uh, task, and it will be done. And of course, it's not going to be an easy conference because so many people have gathered. And nowadays, we have a lot of spontaneous conferences that just appear out of nowhere. And so I'm having a hard time just catching up. And uh, other pastors of Zoe Ministry, you're, you're not the speaker, so you, you, think of this, um, you think too easily of these conferences. But anyways, uh, prayer and praise is all good. But the most important thing in the conference is to receive the word of God. And if, <clears throat> and if this war that is happening in Israel right now is the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, then we don't really have a lot of time left. Uh, I'm not sure what the outcome of this war is going to be. But I really have no desire to live another day if the Lord is going to come tomorrow, then I'd be, I'd be happy with it. Because my heart flutters when, it, when, when I think about the coming of our Lord. And I'm really excited to see Him. And because there's a calling upon all the church members, that's why they're working in the world and they're, they're earning money right now. But if it was up to me, then I would have everybody be unemployed and fast and pray in the church all day long. That's how urgent the time is. We don't have time to pour our energy into anything else because we've got to focus on the Lord and move along uh, to His speed. And God is going to work. God is working through His remnant right now. 
So we got to focus uh, on his plan and follow his directions. Be at peace with the Lord. That is the only way you can stay focused and, and won't get scattered during the season. Do not be shaken as well. Do not, feel, do not go and ride roller coasters going up and down all the time. You gotta go straight towards the Lord and be at peace with Him. You gotta be like Moses, who was able to keep calm and fo and follow the directions of the Lord, even though he was surrounded by mountain ranges and there was a body of water in front of him. <clears throat> because the Lord is gonna work through those who He acknowledges, and He's gonna work through the righteous. I received a lot of grace from, from seeing my son rap in Spanish. Maybe I should learn how to rap starting today. Now let's begin. Why do these prophets go, be, uh, go back and forth in time? When we interpret the prophetic books, the important thing is to see which time period that the prophecy is referring to. And how can we tell them? And I have been interpreting this, the prophetic books for the past 21 years in Zoe ministry. But when we integrate all the, the, the prophecies together, you can tell which event this prophecy is talking about. And of course, there's, there's unique uh, characteristics to all of these prophets. There's some things that, that, that are unique to Isaiah. But if you're able to see the overall picture, then you can pl uh, put these prophecies into the right places. And for, uh, so one of the things that is exclusive to Isaiah is he talks about the age where the churches of the world are going to be powerless. And that is only prophesied in the book of Isaiah. And since Isaiah prophesies about the first coming and also the second coming of Jesus, we can place that prophecy in the middle of it where the churches become powerless in the world. <clears throat> So that is how you can put the pieces of the puzzles together to see which time period the, the prophecies are referring to. And sometimes you gotta check whether or not, uh, whether this prophecy is just referring to Israel or is it related to Israel and also the church, uh, contemporary churches. There are some prophecies that cannot be applied to the churches of the world. Of course, most of the time, <clears throat> the prophecies apply both to the church and also to Israel. But sometimes they differentiate these prophecies by do using different expressions. For example, sometimes they call they, they, they talk about Israel and also Judah, and in that case, Judah will be uh, the, the 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 word spoken to Judah will be applied to the church. But most of the time, we receive the same prophecies because we are part of the same kingdom of God. But at times, there are differences. And the only way we can tell the difference is by context clues. 
or by, by seeing the overall picture and placing these prophecies accordingly. If you're able to interpret with these tools, then you will be able to interpret these uh, prophecies correctly. And almost all of the, prof uh, the prophecies have been unraveled and been interpreted in this ministry already. And the reason why I'm preaching from Isaiah again is because the first time that I spoke from Isaiah, it took a lot of time for me to interpret those messages. I had to explain, take a lot of time explaining why this is why this is interpreted in this way. But now we can move quickly through these uh, verses because the, the background has already been established. <clears throat> Are you still being oppressed? Do you still sense the spiritual pressure um, coming from all these conferences? Then you gotta shake it off, fight against the Lord, and and once and receive the joy of the Lord again. Sokor, are you still sad? Where are you? Are you translating? You gotta expand your scale, expand the scale of your faith. People who are fasting, are you doing okay? This conference is kind of, um, it feels a little weak because so many people are, not weak, but out of energy because so many people are fasting. Why are you guys so quiet? Let's move on. So yesterday, we listened up to verse 15. I think we finished the verse 15. We're talking about the judgment that comes uh, through Assyria. And we spoke about how this prophecy applies to Israel in the present, but also Israel in, in the end times. And we saw how Isaiah goes between um, time periods when he prophesies. And also, Jesus is the only Messiah, and he's the only standard for judgment in, throughout human history or the history of this world. So, we don't have to think and concern, us of, of our, uh, concern ourselves with anything else other than Jesus. And this is the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 3. But he is the only king and he is the only high priest. Jesus is the only person on this earth that has been given both the title of the priest and the king. So, we have to bet everything on Jesus. He is the ruler of all of creation. And he is the only person that can bridge the gap between us and God. So, in your, you have to bet everything that you have on Jesus. If you bet all, the, all that you have on earning money, or if you bet it all into the world or to people, then you're going to live a life of tragedy. In everything you do, you need to bet everything on Jesus and on God. Then your life will be led to perfection. Amen? I always say this to the pastors, but do not risk your lives. Do not bet everything onto your, your, your ministries. You have to give everything for God. Because He has given everything for you. 
There are some men who who love their their wives so much that they would die. They would die when their uh, wives pass away. But even though it seems very romantic and sweet, that's actually very tragic and wrong. We should only be be willing to give our lives for God, not for any other person. Because He's the one that has given us all of His nobility and glory. So I have no regret in following the Lord in my life. I have no regrets in serving Him. And as you know, my life before meeting the Lord was, was very um, wicked and evil. So I'm, I'm touched and in awe every day for, for, the, for how the Lord has come to save me. I'm very thankful and happy and joyful that the Lord has called me to be His servant. If I am to be born again, I would rethink whether or not to be uh, uh, to do this ministry of ministering other pastors. But I am thankful to be a, a servant nonetheless. And it is my calling, so I gotta follow it, follow it with joy. But if given a chance, I will not be doing this ministry. And when you're serving church, lay men, church members, when, when, you, when you serve them well, they come with, they bring gifts and all that. But when you serve pastors, even though you do, the, you do to them well, they won't be bringing anything to you. So it's not really motivating, much motivation to serve other pastors. But anyways, we all have to wait in anticipation for the coming of our Lord. In this conference, uh, since uh, since the conference has a Sunday in it, uh, we won't be able to bring the foreigners to 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 eat outside during the conference. So uh, we would um, bring them elsewhere after the conference is over, since they have come from very far away. I'm very thankful that they are here with us. and pray that they will receive a huge amount of grace in this conference. And since they have sacrificed a lot to come here, there's just by them being here, God is going to pour a, a lot of grace and, and, and blessings upon them. But pray that they will be able to receive it all and bring it back to China and back to Malaysia and Singapore. Because the situation in China is very uh, difficult. This is the strategy that we have for the remnant in China. And I've spoken about this previously in Malaysia. But right now they're kept, they're, they, they have to be, uh, so if God tells them to be hidden in China, then they have to stay hidden. If God tells them to run away from China, then they have to run away. They got to be sensitive to the, the, the directions of the Lord. Some people have to remain in China. Some people have to leave China. So it is a season where they have to be spiritually sensitive to the directions of the Lord. And so that's why it is so important for these brothers and sisters in China to continue to come to these conferences overseas. You gotta be outside of China in order to to fully be able to, uh, to be able to see objective objectively what God is doing in China and doing in you. And 
The reason why we're not going to China is not because we're afraid of persecutions, but because this is the season that God has allowed to come upon us, where they have to come out of China. And during the the General Assembly in April, uh, around four pastors, I think, will be ordained from China. So please pray for all this. And even if I was to go to China right now, there won't be much that I could do. And that's why I'm inviting them to come come to these uh, these conferences in Korea and also other countries. And the sad thing is, that they can only get um, a travel visa for a month, so they can stay in Korea for maximum a month. But anyways, let's let's begin. We have been talking about the unbelief of uh, Israel. So now listening to verse 16, and we continue to talk about the judgment of God. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. So God is telling Isaiah to bind up this testimony of warning. And God has continuing to speak to uh, he has been has spoken to Israel saying do not rely on a seer do not rely on these foreign forces but rely on me and when when the prophets of God speak to the people the people should be able to receive that as the word of God but what does it mean to seal up the testimony or bind up the testimony it means the people are unwilling to receive the message they don't know what it means so it is a very dangerous and a severe thing for the word of the Lord to be bound up, to be sealed up. So it says, bind up this testimony of warning. And also, uh, seal up the instructions among my disciples. And the disciples are probably referring to the disciples in Israel, or the people of Israel. And he says to seal of God's instructions among the disciples so that they can become witnesses uh, in the time that God pours his judgment upon Israel. So um, what does it mean to seal up God's instructions? Israel received the law of the Lord on Mount Sinai during their exodus. And And he received Israel as his children, as his chosen people. And they have become the firstborn. They have become the the, the high priests of the world. So the the identity and the calling given to the people of God is is basically the same in both the the Old Testament and New Testament. We are all called to be His chosen people, His His holy bride, His heirs, and all that. So in this way, when we're able to receive the word, the instructions of God. we can receive the dignity and the glory of God. This applies to both Israel and also uh, us in the New Testament. And not only that, He has given us His holy name. So this is quite a tremendous, uh, tremendous blessing that God has given us. And holiness is God Himself. And so He has given Himself to us. And you had to 
you had to meditate upon this great、um, blessing every day. It's really difficult to express it in in words,、uh, the magnitude of what God has done for us. And that's why every morning, when I wake up, I meditate on、uh, on on this、um, this blessing that God has given us. How was He able to give us His holiness and give us His own holy name? Logically speaking, this is impossible. When we look at this at, through the perspective of spiritual functions, we are lesser than angels. Angels are are, are better model than us. They are more, they are more perfect than we are. And we're not talking about how much they are able to work and、uh, and 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 their talents, but we're talking about their capacity of receiving the holiness of God. We as humans, our functions. Are not better than than、uh, the functions of the angels in the ability of receiving the holiness of God, but God did not give holy, His holiness to the angels, but instead He gave it to us. And the reason for that is not because we were made better than the angels. But it's because we, He has given birth to us. He has transplanted His own life into us. So do not think that you are better than the angels. It is simply that we have been chosen by God, and He has bestowed His holiness into us. And this is a topic that you have to meditate every day and be filled with inspiration and 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 and、um, and all to、um, to this event. So do not think you are superior to the angels. It is just、uh, our calling and the decision of God, and He, furthermore, He has given us the power and authority to command these angels to work. And you have no idea how good they are at doing the deeds of God. They're and they're excellent warriors as well, being able to fight against these diverse spirits, against the Antichrist, and through their help, Sokor has been restored. So let's applaud these angels for what they are doing for us right now. <clears throat> And I also am very thankful for these angels because I would I would have never been able to manage this ministry without the help of the angels. If it was up to me and the church members, then it would have taken a million years for what we have done、uh, up until now. So bind up the testimony, seal up God's instructions. It means. God is abolishing、uh, the laws, the covenant that He has given to Israel on Mount Sinai, and this should not be probable. But Israel has gone against the word of God, and so we must learn from their mistakes and meditate on our salvation every day. So, what does it mean to bind up the testimony, seal of God's instructions? And God has given you His word; the word is within you. It is the fulfillment of God's prophecies, and that is not a simple matter. That God has given us His word. And why is this so tremendous? It, it is tremendous because God, the word itself, is God. So God has given Himself to us. It is what He is in us. 
And that is the fulfillment of the new covenant. And since we have been given the new covenant, we became a new being. We are completely different from the, the people of the Old Testament. So how are we different? Let's say you're met with, uh, with, some, with some sort of an event. And in that situation, well, depending on the situation, um, the word, the blood, and the spirit move according to, to the situation. Normally, the blood works first to purify you, and the Holy Spirit helps you. Or, for example, you don't have money. To a person that has no money, he shouldn't go into despair. But, but when he responds by faith, the Holy Spirit decides your portion of faith. And then you can see the promise of God working within you. And what is the promise of God? It is the Word of God. So, in that situation, let's say, for example, the Lord said, uh, ask for whatever you want, uh, it, it will be done according to your faith. Then the Holy Spirit would hold on to that message and, and lead your spirit to go before the Lord to re request it from God. And the Holy Spirit knows us and knows the Lord. And He helps us to have fellowship with God. So when you have faith and when, you have, when you're, when you're, when you're um, relying on the help of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead you to the Lord. And, and whilst holding on to the message, the promises of God, He will help you to pray before the Lord and, and request things from Him. And God will respond to your prayers. And at times, He's going to resolve your issues in different ways. Sometimes He's going to dismiss that, that issue or sometimes He's going to help you to, to fix that situation. Sometimes He allows you to go through that time of suffering so He will fill you up with faith and sometimes He will remove that, that, that thing that is tormenting you. So if the message is bind, if the word is bound, then... No matter how much you try, you won't be able to receive that message. And the Holy Spirit will not operate with that message as well. So nothing is going to function. So faith, the Spirit, and the Word of God cannot be separated. So if one of these things are bound, then even if you have faith, even if you have the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to come before, come before the Lord and speak to Him. And the message of God is His divine, divine promises. And because it is His promise, it contains a lot of power. And if that power itself is bound, then you will not be able to escape that yourselves. So, if you're receiving the word of the Lord, it means that the, the promises of God, the Holy Spirit, and your faith are, are simultaneously operating within you. And the reason why you cannot sense these things operating within you is because there's too much waste within you. And it's the same with the Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord should always become your compass, leading you on the right path. But when you have too much waste built up within you, you won't be able to see that compass. You won't be able to follow the direction of the Word of God. 
So you gotta maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and you must have spiritual liberation that we have been talking about all this time. Spiritual liberation means you have no waste within you. you your spirit is not influenced by any other factor. You're only led by the Holy Spirit. You're only under the rule of God, and you must have a desire for that spiritual, uh, for spiritual state. And of course, it cannot be done by yourself. You have to rely on the Holy Spirit, and He will, and He will naturally lead your spirit to become uh, like that. It's because you have not focused on the on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and you have looked into the world. You have followed your sinful desires that you are un. Able to uh, maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you continue to receive from the Holy Spirit, then He will help you to reach that level. And not only that, the blood of Jesus is also circulating within you. And every 15 seconds, uh, our body is circulating. Our heart is able to pump blood all th uh, throughout the body. And when this new blood is pumped into the organs and the veins, it renews those organs and cells. It breathes new life into your body. Do you know this? Do you know how your body works? So, a, a person that has no issues in their circulatory system can be called a healthy person because all of their bodily fun functions will, wor will work properly. <clears throat> For example, if there's pain in your joints, it means that the blood is not circulating correctly to your joints. Am I, is this correct? Where are the doctors? Where are you, Dr. Young? He says he's right. And it's the same. The, the, your spiritual functions and your bodily functions are similar. When the, when the word of the Lord and His blood is circulating within you, then it will heal things that need to be healed. It will cut off things that need to be cut off. And like the words of Hebrews, it says the message of the Lord is like a double-edged sword. So just as your blood circulates through your body to cleanse your bodies, the message and the blood of Jesus also circulates through your spirit to, to cleanse your spirit and purify your spirit. So they are not stagnant. They do not stay still. They they work and uh, and operate con and continually within you. And in order for a ship to stay afloat, it is is unable to stay afloat just by itself. The engine continues to work, and there are a lot of mechanisms that are working in the ship to keep it afloat on top of the water. And the, the, the ship also continues to, 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 to spit out water. And, you have to, and, the, and in the same way, you have to continue to dispel these things away from the spirit so that your spirit can stay afloat. On the other hand, if you live in the flesh, then you would operate according to the functions of the flesh.
So if you want to walk on the path of destruction, then you just have you just have to stay still. Because as soon as your flesh starts to work, you're you will be led by the power of death. And the reason why you experience despair is because you're you're you have a habit of following the flesh, and the flesh, your flesh, is accustomed to following that that spirit of despair. So do not think that it's just by chance that you are you're struggling with that spirit. And today, Sojong uh, snapped her Achilles heel. And that did not just happen by chance. The reason why she snapped her Achilles heel is because she had a fear of losing hair uh, in, when she fasts. But even though she's filled with fear, um, since the music is playing and her body's used to dancing, she started to dance. And then suddenly, her Achilles heel snapped because of that spiritual function or the function of her flesh. So all the things that happen physically uh, happen because of a spiritual influence. And for me, when, when anything happens in the physical world, I decide to, to deem that issue as a, as a spiritual issue. Um, whether that be my, my my health issues or or a situation that happened, I I make up my mind that this is a, a spiritual influence. And bef- and and before resolving it in the spiritual world, I would not move physically. Let's say I am lacking money, then I would not try to earn money or 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 or, or, or um, get that amount of money by myself unless I resolve the issue spiritually first. And why is that? It's because humans are spiritual beings. Your spirit in your body, and all that has to come in together and move harmoniously. For that to happen, uh, your faith, the Spirit of the Lord, and, and the blood of Jesus has to operate correctly within you. When you look at Jesus, when you follow after Him, that's when these functions start to be active. But when you continue to follow the instincts of your flesh and the, and the, and the, and the, and the standards of your mind, then you will only empower the, the, uh, the power of your flesh. So right now, is there light here? Whether you're aware of, of it or not, you're responding to that, to this light that is here. Right now, there's oxygen in this place as well, so you can breathe. And the reason why your throat may be a little dry is because there's a lot of dust in, in this environment. So a person that is living is constantly responding to uh, the elements around them. Likewise, your spirit is also responding to everything that is around it. Let's say you watch television or you have been surfing the internet. Then even though you're perceiving it through your, your flesh, your spirit also is affected by the things that you're perceiving. 
and through what you perceive, uh, it, it strengthens your flesh, strengthens your sarks. So you cannot separate the things of the flesh and the things of the spirit in this way. Naturally, one will affect the other. Some people are able to receive this message by faith, and it becomes a source of life to them. But others are receiving in their mind; it becomes data, it becomes information within their mind. So they're not receiving by their uh, spirit, but they're receiving as information, and it becomes a standard for judgment. And when it becomes a standard for judgment, the power, the, the the word of the Lord cannot can no longer become a power, a source of power for you. So depending on how you respond, how you receive. You can either strengthen your spirit or strengthen your flesh. As you know, we are spiritual beings. We were not. We did not evolve from monkeys. So it is your. When you know that it is your choice to respond by the flesh or respond by the spirit. Then you need to actively make up your mind to follow the things of the the spirit. Because if not, then you will continue to only strengthen your ha- the habits of your flesh. And the reason why you cannot pray is because your your flesh is too powerful. It means you don't know what it means to receive the word of God by faith. Then you will become spiritually dull and numb, and you only become more sensitive to the things of the flesh. But people who are sensitive to life, sensitive to the spirit, they would sense that flutter. They would sense excitement when it comes to receiving these blessings from God. And you also have power and authority to to stay away from evil. Okay, do you understand? You have to understand what sort of being you are. So that was verse sixteen. What time is it? It's already twelve. It's going to verse seventeen. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding His face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in Him. So, since uh, the word of God is bound, it is very natural for the Lord to cover His face. So, when you when you have The word of God within you. You are given the right, the privilege to go go before the Lord and see Him face to face. But since this message, since His word is sealed up, it's naturally you won't be able to see the Lord anymore. And Israel used to have this relationship with the Lord, where they can see the Lord face to face and receive uh, His glory. But now, since they have turned their back to the Lord. That right, that privilege, that privilege has been taken away. So we as well, we must maintain a spiritual state. We are able to come before the Lord and encounter Him. When you maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead your spirit to go before the Lord and request the things that you need to request and, and ask the thing, ask the things that you need to ask from the Lord. Because that is the function of the Holy Spirit. He helps us to come before the throne, to to encounter the Lord, to encounter God, and encounter Jesus. But when you turn against God and you disobey Him, then the Word of God will be sealed up within you. So you, the Holy Spirit no longer can bring you to 
to, to go before the throne of God. So people who are living in their faith are always sensitive to see what, how, what their relationship with the Lord is. is anything, uh, has anything become an obstacle? Are they able to go before the Lord? They're constantly checking their spirits to see if, if it is liberated, if it is free. <clears throat> and if any issue is present, they will quickly resolve that issue so that they can go before the Lord again. And that is not a special thing to do. It is something that we have to do uh, all the time to maintain that close and intimate relationship with God. But it says, I will put my trust in Him and I will wait for the Lord. So even though God has turned away from Israel, Isaiah continues to wait for the Lord, even though he is in the midst of hopelessness. If God turns away from Israel, then Israel loses all hope. But in the, even in the midst of that hopelessness, Isaiah still awaits the Lord to return. And it is easy to, to, to look and wait for the Lord when, when, when the grace of God is upon you. But it's a complete different story when you have to hold on to the Lord while, he's turning, while He has turned His face away from you. So when everything is going well, when you're able to sense the presence of God, then you know for a fact that, that, that God is listening to your prayers that He's going to respond to you. But David didn't only pray when everything was going well. He was, he, was, he was able to pray before the Lord with faith that God is going to respond even in the most dire situations. And that is what Isaiah is doing here as well. In the midst of this hopelessness, he's able to continue to wait for the Lord and put his trust in Him. Now let's look at verse 18 together. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty. So who are the children that the Lord has given me? And they are the ones that became signs and symbols for Israel. So how should we interpret this prophecy? It, it seems a little complicated, doesn't it? So let's go back to verse 17. I will wait for the Lord. I will put my trust in Him. So who is waiting for the Lord here? Just by the context of Isaiah, it is difficult to find who the subject here is. We have a basic idea of who it may be, but we don't know exactly who the subject of this prophecy is. But the reason why we can interpret it is because we're living in an age where the revelation of God has been unraveled. So where can we find a solution? Thankfully, in Hebrews 20. Thankfully, the, the author of Hebrews has, has interpreted this prophecy. Hebrews 2, verse 13. The author says, and again, so this revelation is not spoken by Isaiah, but it was spoken by the Messiah, by Emmanuel. So, 
So according to the flow of the prophecy written in Isaiah, we can tell that it is spoken by, by the Messiah. Verse 13, And again, I will put my trust in Him. And again, so this is using the words of Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17. So chapter 1 of Hebrews talks about the, the divinity of Jesus and, this, and chapter 2 talks about the humanity of Jesus. In Hebrews 1 and 2, Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 talks about the, 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 what Jesus did for us. Well, how he lived on this earth through faith and how he died for us so that all of humanity's sins will be forgiven and not only that we are he has called us to be his brothers and sisters his co-heirs to the kingdom of God so even though I love Pastor Kim in the front it is not a simple thing to call him my brother And even when you're uh, dealing with people, a person that is a little lesser than you, you're, you're a little embarrassed of calling them your brother. But imagine, so imagine what it took for Jesus to be willing to call us brothers and sisters. And not only that, say that we are of the same nature. So look at verse 12. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise and again uh, in verse 13 it says I will put my trust in him so this is not the words of Isaiah but the Messiah speaking even in the midst of this hopelessness where God has turned his face away from, from Israel the Messiah is awaiting for the time where he can restore this relationship between Israel and God. And that's why many years later he puts on the flesh to come upon this earth to resolve this issue. And the Messiah has been waiting for that time ever since this period. In the midst of this hopelessness that, that is. So today from this story, even though it's talking about judgment, we have to think about how God is going to restore the situation by, by coming to this world himself. And it says, Behold, I am the children, I and the children God has given me. Again, this, the I here is, is Jesus speaking. And the children are those who are willing children are those who have received the word of God. It's, it is talking about the church in the New Testament. Now let's go back to Isaiah. Come back to Isaiah. Verse 18, uh, we are the signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty. In Romans 15 and Romans 9, it says, 
that the Jews will not be restored until the, the, the number of the Gentiles, the, the, the believers of the Gentiles are filled. So until that number is filled, the, the, the Jews can only uh, wait and endure through this time until they are to be restored by God. But that season is coming very near. <clears throat> so in the perspective of the Israelites, the Gentiles that, only, that can only be regarded as kindling for, for the fire in hell, it is impossible for them to be saved by the Lord. But later on, they have to see and acknowledge that even to these Gentiles, the Lord has bestowed His Spirit, and they have the holiness of God, and they are saved. And when they are able to see that and acknowledge that, that's when their revival will begin. And pretty soon, many Jews are going to uh, come to see the Messiah, and the number of Messianic, Messianic Jews are going to skyrocket. So, the, why, the reason why the children become signs and symbols is because the children are the Gentiles that, are, that have received the Messiah first. And so they are subject to jealousy and the envy of the Jews. So, the, the, the pronoun here refers to Jesus. Oh, the I and the we are... are referring to Jesus because he's the one who is speaking in this prophecy. So we cannot say who is more important, Israel or the Gentiles. Because for Israel to be restored is very important, but also it is very important for the number of Gentiles to be filled so that um, the Jews may be restored. And also, all the, all the righteous of the Old Testament are also being perfected while looking at us in the, new, the beings of the New Testament being perfected. These are the words of Hebrews 12. So that's why when we gather together in these, in these type of conferences and worships, the Heavenly Assembly also comes with us together and they participate in this worship and they're applauding us, encouraging us and they're saying, oh, Pastor Kim is preaching so well and the, and the people are receiving this message so well as well. They're encouraging us and cheering, cheering us in heaven. We are motivated just by thinking that Jesus himself is, 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 is uh, cheering for us. But imagine the whole congregation in heaven is also participating in this worship and cheering us on. So, we as the Gentiles are, are, have a very important duty to do. The, we, our numbers have to be filled so that uh, the Jews may be restored. And simultaneously, we As we are perfected by the Lord, the, the, the righteous ones of the Old Testament are also being perfected with us. So that is the important, important, importance of what we are doing.
And this is our reward. This, God is going to reward us for this sacrifice, for our service to, to Israel and for to, to these minish, uh, ministries. And that's why we shouldn't hold back in serving uh, these other countries and also Israel. The reason why we're, we're, we're fighting all the time and, 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 and uh, gathering the remnant of God is because our perfection and our, and our holiness does not, is not personally just for us, but it, it, it affects the righteous ones of the Old Testament and it also affects, directly affects the holiness of Israel as well. So you got to receive a lot of grace in this conference because all these people are, are, are cheering you on and encouraging you. The spiritual world and the physical world cannot be separated. And right now in the, the neighborhood we're in, this, apparently the street is called Normal Street. We should have gone to a special street, a special region, but it's, apparently it's called the Normal Street. Yeah, I know that the best neighborhood is Shihua. Let's ask for the change of uh, the address here to be, to be on, this, uh, on special street. So that's how noble and important you are. So just by seeing the, 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 the responsibility and the duty that God has given you, you can realize how important you are. And that's why Jesus cannot let go of us. Because the relationship with the, with the Israelites, the relationship with the other believers of the world, and the, believers of the, old, uh, the, uh, and, and the relationship with the believers of the Old Testament are connected with us. So you are special, special beings. You have to believe in your uh, specialty. And you have to confirm how important you are in the eyes of God. Raise your hand if you don't think you are special. And I will try to change your mind. Since nobody is raising their hand, I guess all of you accepted how important you are. Is there any more to speak about? Then let's move on to verse 19, to verse 22. Again, it talks about the judgment of God. So right now, the Lord and Jesus is uh, waiting for Israel to be restored. But they still don't uh, seek the Lord. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? So rather than asking for the help of the Lord or His prophets, the people are turning to the mediums and spiritists. And according to the law of the Lord, any, anyone who speaks incantations and, and, and whispers with these spirits should be put to death. But the, but the people of Israel, even though they should be following the law of the Lord, they're turning to these people for advice. 
And that means they have turned to idolatry. And even right now, Israel is very corrupt. Do you know where many, many soldiers go visit India, Israeli soldiers visit India during their vacations? And why is that? It's because they cannot endure that pressure of death in Israel, so that on vacations they go to India to, to seek enlightenment or to relieve their stress. And you have no idea how, how, how severe homosexuality is in Israel right now. Of course, in the end, they'll be victorious. But the reason why so many people have to die and so much blood need, uh, so many blood will be shed is because too much corruption is in Israel right now. Before, when we went to uh, the Yehuda Street to to to, uh, to praise the Lord, there weren't a lot of people. There were not a lot of people doing drugs or or or, um, or uh, dressing inappropriately in the streets. But recently, when we went to that street, there were people doing drugs in the streets, people dancing in nightclubs and all that. So the corruption of Israel has gone uh, much more severe than a couple of years ago. And these, peop these um, mediums and spirits should be stoned to death, but instead the people are turning, them, turning to them for advice. So the Israelites are no longer following the word of the Lord. They're disobeying Him. So in verse 20, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. If God says do this, then you got to do this. If God says do that, then you got to do that. But... When you do not follow the instructions of God, you turn your face away from Him. And then the light, then you will not be able to see the light that shines from His face. So you will be in the midst of darkness. There will be like there's no light in dawn. And the light of the gospel has been uh, shut, has been turned off for you. And you are cut off from this relationship of, of life with God. And along with that, you lose all power and authority that comes with, from your intimate relationship with God. So for us as well, we got to continue to face the Lord. we got to receive these gifts from God, receive that source of life, receive His blessings. And when you walk with Him in this way, we can live, we can actually breathe and live. But when you, when you take a step away from that path, then you will start to suffocate and, and, and walk on the path of destruction. Verse 21, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. So since their alliance with Assyria does not work out, they're going to be faced with a huge famine and poverty. When we follow the Lord, we will constantly be under His abundance and experience His riches. 
the land of Goshen never faced any darkness because because Israel when they're with the Lord in the right relationship no matter the they're, they will not be affected by their surroundings or by their situations because they will be blessed by the Lord and remain in His, remain, remain in His riches. So if Israel holds on to their identity and realizes nobility, then God's reign will continue to come upon them. And that's how the kingdom of God works. So if the children of God continue to be affected by their surroundings, if their surroundings are good, then they will be well. If the surroundings are bad, then they would uh, be bad as well. Then, then you lose sight of the promises in the Word of God. And even, even if you try to follow the trend of the world, that will not work out well for you. Because to Israel that has lost the reign of the Lord, they will have to be affected by the poverty, by the famine of the world. But that's not uh, their calling. We should not receive any uh, influence from our surroundings. So, So as Assyria starts to attack Israel, they're going to be faced with so much distress and hunger that they would even uh, turn to cannibalism. Throughout the history of the world, you will, you will find no other nation that was so broken down uh, like Israel. So you have to ask, what is Israel then? Who are the children of God? And many uh, Jews, they cry out saying, when did I choose? I never chose this life. Why is this happening to me? Did I ever say that I wanted, I wanted to be the chosen people So it's like my children, as soon as they, bor they were born, they were bor born into this church and into this family. And so, they could, so is it rightful for them to say, did I ever choose to become a Christian? Did I ever choose to, to, to be a part of this church? And that is, that is the, the, the complaints that are coming out from Israel. And think about our church members. They, our church members may complain, say, did we ever choose to, to, to minister all of, uh, globally? Do you think it's easy for us to, to, to um, pray, pray for the world every day and be a part of intercession 24 hours a day? And, <laughs> 
And you would think that, that by engaging so many overseas churches and also dealing with so many domestic churches as well, our church members would complain about the, the scale of our ministry. But never once did I hear any complaint from my church members regarding this ministry. It's because God gives us enough grace, blessings, and persuasion for us to continue to manage this ministry. And that is the same for Israel. And so if you're unable to receive that, that grace, receive those gifts and blessings, then you will become uh, like Israel, groaning all the, all, all the time about their calling. But when you're able to receive from God, then you realize that God repays you for all the sacrifices that you have made. And that's why we are willing to give up everything and to sacrifice all that we have to do, to do the ministry that God has uh, trusted to us. Because we are already receiving the rewards uh, uh, to repay the sacrifices that we have made. And that is a special privilege and uh, the glory that has been given to the remnant of, remnant of God. So if you are unable to see the glory that has been given, uh, that is that is being given to us by God, then uh, you have to check your calling as a remnant, because you won't be able to maintain and manage this ministry furthermore. So let's uh, give all the glory to the Lord for uh, blessing us in this way. So they will roam through the land when they are famished. They will become enraged and, and looking upward, will curse their king and their god. Because uh, no matter where they turn, they they don't see any hope. They cannot see the light, and so they they blame one another and they curse their kings for 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 leading them into this darkness. But they have no one to blame because this is a, a result of their disobedience. Israel's duty, Israel's calling is to be Shema Israel, which means they are to listen to the voice of God. They can only uh, confirm of their calling, uh, confirm of their identity when they're able to hear the voice of God. So when they cease to be able to hear the voice of God, they will turn to the voice of Babylon and they will lose sight of the glory of the Lord and the light of God. So when they reject the Lord and reject His word, and yet they live well in the world, and that is, they, they cannot be regarded as the children of God. If you're a child of God, then you cannot live well whilst not living with the Lord. If you're living well and, and, and flourishing in the world without the Lord, then it means you're abandoned. You have been abandoned by God. If you can live well in the world without the Lord, then just live in the world because you have no calling to be a child of God. But if you have a calling to be a child of God, then it should be impossible for you to flourish, to live well and be uh, secure in the world. But we all have a calling to be a child of God and so we cannot survive whilst not uh, receiving from the Lord. Well, let's move on to verse uh, chapter 9. It would be best if we can finish chapter 9 this morning. I wanted to move on to uh, finish chapter 13 throughout this conference, but that doesn't seem to be probable. 
this time. But anyways, chapter 9 talks about restoration, since we have just talked about uh, judgment in chapter 8. Like I said, restoration comes from the Messiah. And the restoration of Israel can only come from the Messiah. But because they do not acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, that's why they have to endure through this pain and suffering. Only when they acknowledge the Messiah and receive the Messiah can they, can they be joyful and happy. But because they cannot see the Messiah yet, that's why they are in the, in the midst of sufferings and torment. And Israel has been awaiting the Messiah. They know that they will be restored when they see the Messiah. But they do not acknowledge that the Messiah has already come. And that's why they're still not restored yet. And that is something that we cannot help them help help them with. They have to encounter Emmanuel. They have to encounter Jesus for themselves. But it doesn't mean that we don't have pity and, and, and we don't uh, we don't have compassion for Israel. So now let's talk about restoration. Verse one. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. So Zebulun and the land of Naphtali will be the beginning of restoration. Nowadays, that is the Galilee, uh, the region of Galilee. It is the region located in the north, northern, northern eastern part of Israel. And it is the land that receives the attack of, of Assyria first because it's located close, closest to them. But that land will be the beginning of restoration. So it's quite amazing, isn't it? That the land that is always destroyed first will be the first to be restored. But in the future, we will honor the Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea uh, beyond the Jordan. that uh, Jesus preached is Capernaum. So, so when you follow the Mediterranean Sea, this is the west, uh, the western border of uh, the seaside of Israel. So you can follow that path from 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 uh, Mount Carmel to Capernaum, and there's a path over there, which is the way of the sea. So. This, this region is also um, commonly conquered by the foreigners. There's no record that the, the, the attacks came from the lake of the sea, uh, from the Galilee to the Red Sea. And so there are no rec records of the enemy taking that path. It, they usually came from the side.
So again, the re these regions are the regions that are constantly under attacks of the enemy. And so these nations are the first to be restored, which means the Lord always takes care of our, 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 our weaknesses first. And you have to resolve your, your weaknesses as well. If you're weak to the world, then you've got to resolve that issue. If you're weak to immorality, if you're weak to money, then you've got to resolve those issues. In Matthew 4, it says, uh, the, 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 the Lord uses this message in Matthew 4. And Jesus speaks to the world saying, I have come to save you. And he uses the words of Isaiah. And uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, he says, And leaving Nazareth, he began to live in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. And Messiah says, I will... He uses um, this excerpt from Isaiah directly in verse 15 to show that he's the Messiah that has come to save them. So the focus of the Lord was to come and save those who are weak, the humble ones. And, and so the book of Luke starts with Jesus being birthed into the manger. And not only does he heal the land, he's going to make that land into the king, make, make, make that land into the territory of the Lord. And he came as the king of kings to restore this land. And the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So even though this land was filled with darkness, with pain and suffering, but, as, but Jesus brought the light of God upon this, light, uh, upon this land. Three. Uh, you have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice, they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. So since the Messiah has come to restore them, their land is enlarged and their, their joy is also restored as well. And this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi. His glory itself has come upon Israel. So now let, let's apply this to the church. At this point, Israel is not the kingdom, cannot be regarded as the kingdom of God. But in the New Testament, is the church the kingdom of God? Yes, the church can be regarded as the kingdom of God because God Himself, the Messiah, has already come to to finish this uh, this ministry. So Israel and Jerusalem used to be the meeting point of, of heaven and earth. 
but now that relationship has been broken. So now in the New Testament, the church becomes those meeting points of heaven and earth. And that meeting point, that meeting point happens when God Himself is enthroned on this earth. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 9 it says that in, within the he heavenly assembly it contains the church. So the church is a part of that heavenly assembly. The reason why the kingdom of God is not written in the Gospels is for the benefit of the Gentiles. But the word, the, the, the word church, Ecclesia itself, itself, itself means the kingdom of God. So that's why the church can be called uh, the kingdom of God. And what God has been doing through Zoe ministry for the past 20, 20 years was He has been building up the church, His churches. Salvation is given to, uh, to us by, by God Himself. But our spiritual growth and maturity is based upon, uh, is, is given to us through the church. So according to the spiritual order of the Lord, if the church dies, then we will die with it as well. Sometimes you may think that this ministry is difficult to bear. But, and if Zoe ministry taught that if you just train very hard and you would do well, then that would be, more, uh, that would be sim more, more simple and easier for you to follow. But that, that is not the case for Zoe ministry. You cannot do well just by being excellent in, 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 in worship or be excellent at preaching. You've got to be integrated in all these parts because the, whole, because the entire kingdom of God is working within this ministry and within our churches. So you cannot say, I'm, I'm good at one thing and be done with that. You've got to be good at playing the piano. You've got to be good at uh, uh, preaching. You've got to be good at all these things. And that's why it took so much time and we had to go through a t period of difficulty up until now. And without the, word, without the gospel of God, without His truth, the church cannot become the kingdom of God. And that's why so many churches are struggling. And Sometimes they can pull on the presence of God momentarily through, through conferences and through uh, assembling together. But that's not going to last unless they have the truth. Only when you have the truth can you, can, can you be continually supplied with, with nourishment, with nutrients to, to continue to stay healthy. So... Naturally, you got to be good at giving praise. Naturally, you should be good at serving the church. Naturally, you should be good at praying and everything because we are all part of the kingdom of God. And that is what Zoe ministry is built on. And it is also one of the reasons why Zoe ministry was so difficult to manage. So you got to acknowledge that your churches are the kingdoms of God. And you gotta allow the Lord Himself to be enthroned in your churches. So, the Messiah has come to enlarge the nations and increase their joy. And His kingdom is built upon joy, and that's why the people can rejoice before the Lord once the Messiah comes. 
And we must rejoice with the Lord as well. So now shoot、um, a killer smile to the people next to you. You gotta be joyful. You have to rejoice with God. Oh, senior citizens, even though your faces are filled with wrinkles, you gotta you gotta smile, smile. Careful of the ladies, okay? So that's how you should smile. Doesn't he have a killer smile? Were you able to see it? Did you see it? Anyways, let's move on. We don't have a lot of time. Verse four. As、uh, they rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest. The, the, the Lord spoke in, in the book of Mark that now is the day of grace and the day of, of vengeance. But actually, the words of Isaiah says both. It is the day of、uh, uh, of joy. In their vengeance, but Jesus only speaks of the day of joy, the the day of grace. And the warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So ever since God created Adam, He told them to conquer. One of the blessings He gave Adam was to to be fruitful, multiply, and also conquer. We have to conquer our enemies. And And as the Messiah came upon this earth, he enlarged his nation, and that's why the church can never fail because God Himself has、uh, enlarged our nations. He is there to fight for us, so we can never fail. We can never be defeated. So it doesn't make sense for a church to fail. And why can we be? Why can we rejoice? It's because. It's because we are we can confirm our righteousness in God. If you cannot confirm our righteousness, then it's very natural for you to feel despair and sadness. But since we have salvation, we can rejoice every day, knowing that God has saved us. Every day we rejoice, knowing for a fact that we can come before the Lord and see Him face to face. 
and we can receive everything that God gives us. So that's why we can be happy, we can rejoice with God. What else does it say? Uh, as people rejoice at the harvest and as warriors rejoice when they, divide, when they are dividing the plunder. So since he's the trunk we, and we are the branch, all we have to do is stick to the trunk and we will continue to receive uh, nourishment, receive nutrients from, from the source. So what does it mean to divide the plunder? It means, it means we are conquerors. We have to fight against our enemies, be victorious and take back, take back the things that have been taken. We're going to take their plunder. We are conquerors. So in this one verse, how many times does it tell you to rejoice? Four times, is it? Four times. Four times it tells you to rejoice. So when you live with the Lord, you can not help but be, but be filled with joy. So why your face is so, so dark? So once again, smile like Judah. Smile like Judah. Many of your expressions are, are really funny because you don't, you're not used to smiling, so your muscles are still tense. I, I think I've said this before, but as soon as you were born, after, after a while, 430 muscles are formed within your face to help you smile. But as you get older and you're filled with pain and sorrow, you, you, you don't work those muscles anymore, and those, those, those muscles get, um, get stiff. And people who are not good at smiling are not good at smiling because they have not smiled. And one day during service, a person received the spirit of joy. But, but because they have not been uh, smiling their whole life, <laughs> their, their, their expression was really um, funny to look at. Because even though they, uh, but because he was trying to smile, but he was not used to smiling, and his face was still tense, so he just made a weird expression. Move on, verse four. For as in the day of the Midian, of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So again, this is talking about victory. So God has taken off the yoke that that had burdened us, and all the pain and suffering has ended because of his coming. And all the weapons of the enemy has been disarmed as well. So, for, uh, for, for us as well, there's no, no being, no entity on this earth that can take away our victory from us. Because God has given us the authority to disarm the enemy. Amen? 
he has already uh, given us this victory with his first coming. So why are you filled with concerns? Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in bio and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fueled for the fire. This, we're looking at the remnant of the, of, of, the, of the battle. In Revelation 16, it also talks about that last battle. And Jesus himself is going to come again through a second coming to, to, to signal his ultimate victory. So our enemies exist only for defeat. So why are you afraid of those who are, who, who are destined to be defeated? Their end is already decided. Amen. Verse 6, For to us a child is born. So what are we to anticipate? We anticipate a general when we talk about this, when we talk about this great victory. But yet, the Lord came as a for, uh, in the form of a child. He was birthed birth in a manger. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And be. So not only did the son come, but he came for us. He has been given to us. He did not come for himself, but he came for us. The government will be on his shoulders. It's because he is the ruler. Even though he is a child, he is the governor. He is the ruler of this earth. So again, you have to believe that God is in charge of your churches, that He is the sovereign ruler of your churches. He is going to be responsible for you and for your churches for eternity. And He is going to allow His will to be displayed in your church. So allow God to rule over your churches. Be under His dominion, okay? With the authority of heaven and earth, He comes to rule over your churches today. And he's going to make every name bow down before his name. He's going to integrate everything, unify everything, and rule everything and be enthroned upon uh, the throne of this land. Because he's the head of the church. So why, what are you believing in? Why is it so difficult for you? Just have faith in the head of the church and follow after him, his directions. That's how important to set him, set him up as the ruler of your churches. So don't, do not be burdened by your ministry. Do not be burdened by your church members. Let them be guided by the Lord Himself. Because His guidance, His instructions are clear. They're precise. They're correct. And God is able to move His kingdom through the church as well. So even if the enemy comes at you in the thousands, do not worry about them. And he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What is the, what is the job of the counselor? He is in charge. He has to counsel. When you allow the Lord to reign, he is the person that is in charge. And wonderful things are going to happen through his, uh, through his reign. And every day, you, you, all you have to do is be amazed at what he has done in you, what he, has, what he is doing in your churches. And open your mouth and he will fill that mouth. I guess it's better. Uh, people who have a bigger mouth has the, has the advantage. But just open your mouth and receive from the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Leave everything to the Lord. Because he's the perfect counselor. He's the wonderful, wonderful counselor. When you live in your flesh, it is impossible for you to leave everything to the Lord. But when you live in the Spirit, you can cast everything to God. 
So when you're living in the flesh, no matter how much you try to, to leave it to the Lord, cast it to God, you won't be able to do it. You'll be burdened by your family, burdened by your children, burdened by your businesses. But when you live in the Spirit, even pastors, when you live in the Spirit, you'll be able to cast off the burden of the church to God. You will not be burdened, be weighed down by your churches anymore. It's because you live in religion, you live in legalism, and live uh, in your flesh. That, even though you say you want to cast it to the Lord, you cannot do it because you hold on to it tightly. That's why you, you get sick, you get diseases, and you are pressed down. But when you understand God should be in charge of the church and you leave it to Him, then you will, your, your mind will be free of any concerns and worries. And it becomes very easy for you to come before the Lord because your spirit is so free. What else? Uh, his mighty God. It also contains the, uh, the, 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 the meaning of warrior, commander, general. So God is excellent in spiritual warfare. And during this time, the king is always on the, on the, on the, on the vanguard during a battle. So the king needs to, learn, needs to know how to fight uh, well. So starting from a young age, the princes are trained to be excellent warriors on the battlefield. So our God is, is the most powerful warrior in, uh, in this universe. In Micah 2 verse 3 or 13, it says that Jesus is going to come back riding uh, the white steed. So, so all we have to do is follow behind that steed. And on the battlefield, there's the infantry. What does, how, the only way that the infantry, the, the, the troops can survive on the battlefield is to stay behind the tank. So if we follow behind Jesus, then we will be fine because he is an excellent warrior. He is the everlasting father. And we are his children. And he, he is our father because he has given us his everlasting life. What does it say in Hebrews for? He says, with, with this grace of the Lord, continue to come before the throne of grace. And God has filled us up with His own life. And with that life, He, he allows us to pray before Him, to come before His throne, and to enjoy His blessings. Amen? Can you believe? What else? He's the Prince of Peace. It means... His victory is decided. So he has resolved the issues for us to be, for us to participate in that victory as well. He has completely oppressed the enemy. He became man himself. And he has taken back the, the, the power of death. So the enemy can only tremble before the name of Jesus. They cannot forget that name because he has already overcome our enemy and everything is decided upon the throne of God so be gone demons be gone in the name of Jesus and hold on to the name of victory the name of peace his name is power so use that name verse 7 of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end 
So God's demeanor and His peace did not end during the time of Israel, but it continues to mature, it continues to expand. And it has come into the church as well. To the, to the seven early churches, Paul says that the church has the power to rule over the rest of creation. And where does this power come from? It comes from our, our head, it comes from our king. And so all the churches of the New Testament have an influence over the rest of the world. And that's why Zoe Ministry has stretched out its influence across the world. It's not because we are especially talented or unique, but it's because this is the authority that God has given to His churches. What else? <clears throat> he will reign on, the, on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. So David's throne has two aspects. One aspect of when it talks about, Dave, uh, Dave, about David's throne is that Jesus came from the, from the family line of David as the king of this earth. And secondly, it signifies that Jesus, after his victory, is, in, is sitting on the throne for eternity. And he's the everlasting ruler of this earth. And physically, the last king that came from the line of David ended in Zechariah. But spiritually speaking, uh, Jesus is going to be the eternal ruler of this, uh, of this world. So spiritually speaking, who is the king of the church? It is Jesus, because he is the head of the church. And that's why the church can rejoice. If there's no joy in your, in your spiritual, uh, spirituality, then that means Jesus is not your head. And that's why I always, always ask my church members, are you happy? Are you, do you have joy? Because if not, then, then, then there's, a, there's a huge issue in your faith. Are you happy? Decontrol? Are you happy because of your husband? We have to rejoice, and this is very important. Senior citizens, are you are you also rejoicing? Let me look at your faces. You need to be happy because it doesn't make sense for you not to, for you not to be happy in the kingdom of God. If you look at it at the surface level, you might ask, how can you be happy in a church, in a church like this? How can you be happy in, under, under such a pastor? But because the kingdom of God is with us, we can be happy and we can rejoice with God. 
So he will reign on David's throne as the last king. And when we're under, when we when we are in this kingdom, we can rejoice with him. So that's the two meanings of David's throne. First of all, he came in the bloodline of David, and secondly, he's gonna reign forever as the king of Israel, as the king of this world, through the Davidic line. We're almost at the end. Uh, over, uh, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing, upholding him with justice and righteousness from that time on forevermore. So he's going to become king of this world, and he's going to become the rule. Uh, uh, he's going to become the judge as well. So, as he comes to be the ruler and the judge. The people will listen to his judgment and be completely sp uh, spiritually revolutionized. So that's why you have a you have a you need to have a desire for his kingdom, and we are not just we are not going to go to his kingdom uh, as a subject, but we are going there as rulers as well. We are going there as his priestly kings. Pastor Lee, you gotta send your past your, your your father to our church and kick him away from from your church. It's because in order for the for this for the new leadership to be established, you gotta remove the the old leadership. So get with a Pastor Manjuli and just send him to your bunk church. We're almost at the end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So zeal, being zealous, is kind of like the. It, it, it talks about the jealousy of God. And God Himself is going to accomplish the love and the promises that He has given to us, and He's going to do it by Himself. And because we are, we he has promised that we are going to be made holy and blameless. He's going to accomplish. He's going to fulfill that promise. It is his will. It is his uh, stubbornness. He says you are going to be victorious. His love itself is going to help us to be victorious. And Paul calls that the the, the love of Christ. That love completely takes responsibility. Uh, comes and takes complete control of us and we are in his care because of that love and that is an exclusive love that comes comes from comes from God and because God loves us and loves Israel he will not neglect us when we are wallowing in evil and we are we're dealing with wickedness no he's going to take us out of that situation and bring us back into victory again He's going to make you holy. He's going to make you perfect. He's going to make you blameless. Because he said, I am, I am perfect, so you are perfect as well. Let's pray.